Hello and uh, welcome along to Unplayable, where the golf world feels like it's reached a tipping point into madness. Con here joined by Cooper and it's startling to think that in the last week since we last recorded a pod, there's been so much change in the world of golf and it's January, which is basically the off season. So Tyrrell Hatton has just announced that he's going to live, reportedly getting paid £50 million to make the jump. Um, Adrian Moronk is all but a done deal going to, to live as well. And there's also strong rumours that Anthony Kim is going to make a return to golf this year with odds on money that he'll be joining Live too. So the whole thing is just a bloody mess now at this stage. I mean, I, I was watching Rory's press, press conference in Pebble there earlier and he uh, he had such an air of deflation about him. Um, but on the actual golfing front, Mathieu Pavon won on the PGA Tour last week in uh, a cracking finish in Tory Points to become the first Frenchman uh, in over 100 years to win on the main tour in the US. Olofsson won on the DP World Tour. Uh, but joining me to navigate all this stuff is Cooper. Uh, Cooper, I don't know where to start with all this, so I'd rather start with you. The word on the street is you are now a scratch golfer. Is that true? Scratch golfer, yeah, <clears throat> for the first time, um, down to just just about made it into zero point four. So, again, getting there in terms of what is it, the plus one point nine goal of the East. Um, no, I actually was. I don't know if you you saw the card I shared online, but I started double bogey, par double bogey, par bogey. So I was standing on the fifty five or the sixty five over, and I was like, "Fucking kill me! Like, get me out of here! I hate golf. I forgot how to play." So hold on, what did you need to shoot to get the job done? I didn't have any clue. Like, as in, I don't understand this handicap system at all. <clears throat> and it's also it's uh, they're off the greens in C point, and like the greens are only up maybe ten yards further than the whites. Like it's a long. It's a. It's still that's a short enough course, but like. It's uh, it's it's not easy, and apparently it's a shot and a half easier according to the, the slope, and it it's just yeah. So basically, by playing to my handicap, I was one and a half shots worse than scratch golfer. But I wasn't like. Do you remember back in the day, you were playing shit? But if I birdie the eighteenth, I'll save my point one. Like you knew, you knew exactly where you stood with regards to your handicap while you were playing. It was a very simple equation. And now I remember I didn't even think about it. I birdied the last three holes to shoot one over and had absolutely no idea. And even afterwards, looking at the card and looking at the the score, you just don't have any idea how much you're going to get cut, what way it works. Like it's... Yeah, it's a bit frustrating to be honest. Because, well, sorry, it's not. You're obviously going out there trying to play your best, but like, I, I just don't know how they could make it so complicated when before we had it so 
simple and straightforward like it's great that everywhere is universal now and you can go to a course and you have a handicap that's hopefully fairly accurate in terms of your ability and respect to it's just a complete night like there's no point in there's no point in actually trying to predict what your handicap's going to be after a round especially if it's a good one and it's going to be a counting round because yeah i've absolutely no idea how it works and i don't think anyone else does either but that's mad so like i get it that it is it is a bit messy i mean you can have a rough idea what what you need but it is hard to know exactly but so hold on you were five or six over par and you managed to crawl all the way back to one and that got the job done that got that literally got you to 0.4 that's quite literally yeah yeah i was i was five over standing on the 60 and then eagle the sixth bogey the seventh and then i had four birdies on the way in and a bogey so yeah eagle eagle and four birdies after being five over through five <laughs> so it was a proper and there's a proper gale out there as well so it was a proper scrap but no it was good golf like as in i i literally duffed one off the tee in the first everyone's fucking nightmare and then found the the stream after trying to go for the green and two snap hooked one off the third tee like they were the two doubles that was it um and yeah just wasn't it literally wasn't comfortable standing over the ball essentially like just something didn't feel right or i was putting too much pressure on myself because at the end of the day i'd say i i knew that i'd never been a scratch golfer and i on my as far as my golf ireland when you look through that the last four competition rounds i've played were under par so like there's like an expectation there that right come on we're gonna go out here and shoot under par again and get to scratch and then you're fucking humbled fairly fairly quick um but no i was just happy i was able to find a swing and actually battle it out because it was it was a it was a it was a great round from the 6th to the 18th um like it's four under from 6 to 18 so it was good to kind of prove that you can fight back from a pretty shit situation um but yeah just have to go out and relax next time and get to the range a bit earlier to make sure that I get rid of those jitters beforehand. But were you nervous coming in? Because you must have known like, oh, one or two birdies here in the way in now and, and this will be job done. I'll be, I'll be down to scratch, which is a major milestone for like any mm. golfer. No, it didn't, uh, didn't feel like that at all. I, <clears throat> I actually bogeyed 14. Um, just uh, the wind was mad and I, took an extra club and it must have died or something because the ball kind of went to the back of the green and the pin was front left and it's a big green and it's just a, it's a very very hard two putt um gave it a good go but yeah missed missed the kind of i guess uh kind of wasn't that long but it was just on a slope to a tricky putt and then birdie put on 15 <laughs> I don't know if you remember playing C points, but <clears throat> 16 is uh, a drivable par four. And the wind was kind of helping a bit, but it was off the left. And if you miss it right, especially when the pin is kind of on the front, you're absolutely dead. So I went ahead and missed it on the right and just whipped out this flop shot. That was one of the best shots I've hit. Yeah, in the last few years and stuck it into about a foot on a just over a bunker with a pin tucked five yards or five feet onto the green and tapped that in for birdie 
uh, nearly the hole in one on 17, literally left it a few inches away. It was spinning back towards the hole as well. The lads were getting excited on the tee. And 18 just absolutely can smash one down there. Hit an eight iron just off the fringe in the back to a back pin and left it on the lip for eagle. So it it was a very, <clears throat> it was a very, uh, it was very, very good golf. Um, but there was no pressure at all. There was no, I'm getting out of scratch if I birdied the last three years. It was just fairly aggressive golf, considering how fucking shit it had been for the first, for the first uh, 33% of the round. That's unreal though. So like, I mean, the, the mindset that you were in, probably not knowing exactly what you need to shoot served, served you well. Um, but But anyway, so back to the world of golf. So, as I said in the intro, Tyrrell has officially gone. Uh, Moronk has unofficially gone, as far as I know, but it, he is basically gone. And then there's Anthony Kim is gone. I mean, so Liv is starting up this week in, in Mayacoba in Mexico. You've got those lads who I mentioned, although minus the Anthony Kim, I doubt he's going to play. You've got Ram, Cam Smith, Brooks, DJ, Sergio, Bryson. I mean, suddenly... It's it's not a terrible lineup of of players. Yeah, it's a it's a good lineup, like, but I still don't give a shit. Like, I don't I don't think anyone else does. I think they're they're putting too much emphasis on Ram's going to bring in X amount of viewers, and really, I don't I don't think anyone cares. Um, it's like they've, like with these teams, like they, they think they've established these fucking absolute dynasties that everyone really wants to be involved in and latch onto. And that's why they're coming to watch Live Golf when really, like, people are still laughing that there's a team called the Fireballs. Like, it, it's a complete joke. And Rams one, like, I, genuinely like properly infuriated by the, the press release on legion x i i i fucking did you did you read that sorry i don't know if you yeah we, it, he it was something to do with like i'm the brand like loyalty and oh. talking about roman empire or, <laughs> I don't know. so uh just this is john ram on on behind the brand I wanted to go down the warrior spirit mythology side for the team's name. The term loyalty is very important to me. I think it embodies the warrior spirit through its decisiveness and ready for battle mindset. Like, I just, like, I don't think, I like, I fucking, half of me is like, that wasn't Ram. It's some marketing intern at Liv using chat gpt it's fine it's not ram but it fucking could be ram like as in it's i'm just praying that tyrell hatton pulls a harold varner the third on it and when he's asked straight up he does not mention the brand the team growing the game and he just says lads i was offered 60 million quid it's nearly half of what i've earned on my in my career in one day what he's earning or sorry three times more than what i've earned in my career in one day so 
I'm here for the cash. And I think if anyone is as honest as him, it, it's kind of raw and emotion or kind of raw emotion that they show on the golf course. If he's, I don't think he will read the fucking live script. And if it is in his contract to talk absolute shit, maybe he will have to, but oh, I just, <clears throat> yeah, fucking hell. He committed to, what's he committed? He committed to Phoenix, I think, or to Houston. And I was like, love Boston and Tigers uh, TGL. Yeah, he committed to Boston Common as well. And like, brilliant. Terrell's not going anywhere. And then he just, I think, uh, to be honest, when he does things like that, when any of them do things like that, and especially on the TGL side, like they're just looking for more and more of an excuse to raise the money figure that Liv have to give them. And then Liv are actually happy enough to give it to them because it hurts them. Like it's the same as Stenson for the Ryder Cup. No way in the world would they have wanted Henrik Stenson on their fucking team unless he was the European Ryder Cup captain because that would hurt the PGA Tour and the Ryder Cup. Like they go after people very strategically and I guess it's the right way to do it. If you want to make the most impact, but they're complete scumbags about it and the players who go over for the money actually really hurt a lot of the kind of organizations that they were part of beforehand so yeah they like take Moronk is a good example he just won the fucking Severiano Ballesteros award he just got a PGA Tour card in the States he was borderline Ryder Cup and yeah he's he's done well in the DP World Tour but he hasn't done well in the PGA Tour so he's not one of the best players in the world and well, he's literally just got his PGA Tour card yeah, literally, but he's played a few events in the PGA Tour or in the majors in the US and has, hasn't played well. He's been pretty shit. So <clears throat> it's it's kind of like, why do they want him? Well, because of the Ballesteros Award, because he just got his PGA Tour card, because he's seen his hard done by in the Ryder Cup. And like, there's reasons why they want someone like Moronk. It's not because of how good he is at golf. It's because of the attachments that he has. And... The things that he's kind of won or <clears throat> kind of been seen as a DP World Tour poster boy going over on this PJ Tour card, top of the list. So, like, they, they go after people very strategically and you, they're dead right. But the players who take the money, even though they realize why they've been taken and it's not for your fucking golf ability, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a backstab. Well, they're pawns, pawns in a wider game of chess, well, and they're pawns that can make a lot of money out of it, and I'm sure they're quite happy to be, to be pawns in a game Yeah, of yeah, chess. yeah. No, no, for fucking 60 million quid, I'd say to but like, what, what, do you, what do you think of the... With You know, they're in a negotiation at the moment. PJs who are negotiating with PIF, and... Yeah, like, it's, so the, the only reason that they were allowed to poach was if they basically agreed that they wouldn't poach each other then there was something that triggers it was like no you have to it has to be a fair and competitive market or i think it was the doj maybe said that or something in december so that's what allowed the rams morongs hattons to go um but apparently the deal is done 
um, according to Dan Rappaport. Um, and it's going to include a $3 billion investment and it has nothing to do with live. So it's just the PIF and the investment partners investing in the PGA Tour or this new co, whatever whatever it's called. Um, re, I think where it's coming from is there's stock analysts on Twitter actually reporting the news because it's actually going to have a, an impact on the stock markets. So that's where the news is kind of coming from. But yeah, that's that they're the only basic details that we've gotten so far. But yeah, I, can, I think I, can, I think the deal is the deal is done and we're gonna hear about it in the next few days. Uh, yeah, I'm just seeing Dan Rappaport put up a tweet yesterday and people who don't know him. He does seem quite a rep, reputable journalist. Um he's saying hearing a deal between PJ Tour and investors, um, including the PIF is imminent. One source described it as finish line time. But you're saying so that doesn't mean um anything to do with live. So yeah, so apparently it's it's nothing to do with live. Um but so it's essentially the PIF investing in the new PGA tour. And the new PGA tour would be like live aren't part of that investment basically so they're still a standalone entity as a tour and then this the pif will have invested in the pga tour the dp world tour the live tour so they'll all be part of their same investment or under the same investment uh basically of the same backers and they would have to basically play ball with each other so and that's what's going to be really interesting about what comes out because if like they they can't have basically designed a new golf calendar but the conversations will obviously start when the deal is done or when the investment is in and the teams start working together so the pga tour planning committee and the live planning committee say right we want we want april to september and then the other one's like no fuck off you're not getting september we want september to december for the live tour in the southern hemisphere whatever it is but i think the deal on, on on principle is going to be done the players then or the tours then will have to actually communicate how are we going to live with each other is it going to be a few weeks of the year we're playing live a few weeks of the year we're playing the pj tour where does the dp world tour sit in that like it's just there's going to be a lot of like it could go on it'll go on for the rest of the fucking season and it'll start in 20 2024 2025 season but the all that matters is the pif now own golf and it's awful for pro golf but the players might get to play against each other more than four times of a year after it all gets settled but but that sounds awful for us the fan as well so like if there isn't like if the, the big issue now from a fan's perspective is that it's all separated like we're going to watch golf this weekend and on on one tour you've got the guys playing in pebble rory and the lads and then you've got the guys playing in mayakoba on live and we all want that being brought back together so if it's just a case of this deal and by the way this is speculation it's yeah yeah but like that they're going to remain separate that's terrible like yeah what? no i don't i i i don't think it is bad i think it's actually a good thing because 
it's a different type of golf. Like live is a fucking exhibition. It's not, it's not actual golf. Like it's not four rounds, fucking shotgun starts. Good luck. Like play a golf course as it's meant to be designed. But like there is, there is a hundred percent space for team golf um, in the calendar and an appetite for it as well. Now teams like the fucking cliques and fireballs aren't, what that is but if the pj tour and live are in harmony then you might see i don't know tailor-made buying a team or srix and buying a team and like f1 style rebranding it and then having the calendar for this team event that please god it's not called live well live stands for 54 so hopefully they have to change it can bring it to a proper format but um they there there'd be a place where right we're on the take the the British Open swing. So imagine there was um the Scottish Open, the British Open, and the week before that where the Irish Open used to slot in. Um there was an event somewhere around the UK and Ireland. And it was a live event or something like or maybe the week after the open say. And it was so it was three weeks of PGA Tour, GP World Tour, proper golf, and then a week of the team aspect or the team part of the PGA Newco's entity or the Live Partnership. Oh, I don't think it could be called Live though. Anyway, the the one thing I took from the 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 reports was that it's just Live is Live isn't in this Newco. Now that might be wrong. It's pure speculation, but it seems like Live is going to stay on its own. But the way to look at it is the PIF are basically the main investors of the PJ Tour, the DP Road Tour, the Live Tour. So they sit underneath that. Um, the number been tossed around before was about 20% of the PJ Tour's NUCO for $3 billion. So it's crazy fucking money for, yeah, I like at the end of the day, do you value the, do you value the PGA Tour? at um 15 billion dollars probably um so maybe it's a fair reflection on that side but it's just uh, the way it was originally planned was yasir would sit as the chairman of the new co on the pj tour he'd be the chairman of live he the dp world tour would be under the pj tours new co or as a direct partner so he'd be chairman in that as well and yeah, sovereign nation will essentially rule golf, which is a bit of a shit. Like it's not shit, it's just stupid. Um, and it can't be good for any sport to be essentially run by a country. Um, but that's where we are. Bit of a bit of a rant there, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Don't know what to think. We need some fucking details now and want just want all. Yeah, well, that's that's what it's all about. Like, I mean, it'll all come out of the wash if it's the case. Like from what we're reading and seeing that something is actually imminent we'll have some clarity on all this sort of stuff in the next yeah. few days um but what about the golf last week i uh i nearly did the the, the bloody the double with my flippant call of the two hoy guards coming winning i hope you i hope you did it each way if you did it jesus Man. second second fucking hit I the crossbar i didn't even do it like every time we uh get on this pod and we 
talk about what our picks are going to be. I uh, literally, I do always go on to bet three six five, and I do the bets. But because uh, Tory Pines started a day early, I and I made that yeah, call, yeah, yeah. I absolutely bottled it. And they like imagine the odds were literally the thousands to one of the two Hoy guards winning. So I, if I had a bloody just done the each way thing, see, I don't know. Can you do a double like that each way? Can you have? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm such a fool. Literally would have had thousands. <laughs> you might not have thousands now, but you would have had a few a few points. Um no, it's uh yeah, it was just weird Wednesday or sorry with the Wednesday start. Um but yeah, it was it was still an unbelievable tournament. Um but it is, it's good. Uh, so actually that uh I think uh, Justin Ray said on Twitter that it's the first time. There's been a European one, two, three, four on the PGA Tour ever. So oh. it was uh, like, again, we're fucking, we're back to, and that was my whole reason for for the for the picks last week. And I actually had a few quid on Taylor Pendrith as well, the, the absolute bottler, but um, like Pavon, 140 to one, another triple priced or triple digit price winning on the PGA Tour. If you had a backed Chris Kurth, Grayson Murray, Nick Dunlap, and Matthew Pavon in an accumulator and put one euro on it, you would now be sitting on 3.4 billion euro. <laughs> oh so my god, that's that's how stupid the prices have been uh, over the last four weeks on the PGA Tour. And you were kind of thinking Tory Pines like Tiger Woods brings out the best players in the world. Um, and then you have this. An assortment of random Europeans at the top of the leaderboard. Like I, I like Pavon. Um, he, uh, if you remember, at the end of last season, he had a really clutch finish. It was like birdie in the last three or four in a row to secure that PGA Tour card. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was 186th in the world and literally just clinched in. Now his third start on the PGA Tour, and he's a winner. Like it's he's he's a class golfer, and there's obviously the French bit there as well, but it's uh it's getting a bit crazy like with these with these prices and or not with these prices winning but just not with the favorites showing up and like i particularly remember last week that max home was a few shots off and they were basically showing him more than anyone else because he was one of the best names doing well in the field like there was no point in watching him because he was three or four back but they were still showing him because he's Max Homa and we need to start showing the A-listers on the coverage or else we're not going to get viewers. So it's a tricky dilemma for the, um, for the, the guys on the PGA like, Tour. I mean, the PGA Tour are in um, quicksand there. Like With the likes of that event, I mean, it was a good finish and I loved watching that 18th hole where Pavon got up and down from 150 yards from the road. Amazing. Up and down. Yeah. It was class. But... It was only 72 holes of an event, four days, and like the last moment was great, but the rest of yeah. it wasn't. And like that's the problem with the PGA Tour at the moment. Now, this week and for the next couple of weeks, we've got these elevated events where we've got big dogs in the field, Rory and, and all the lads are, are coming to play. But those run of the mill weeks where the likes of last week, where it's the likes of Pavon winning, and it's just like a pretty weak field. Like, yeah, and like to, to associate Tory Pines with the with the run of the mill event is a f- awful thing. <clears throat> like I just think every time I think of Tory Pines, and I know it was a major, but 
you're thinking of Tiger just absolutely dominating the place. And to think of that now as a, obviously not a, not a designated event, but to your point, like the lads, the big guys are only going to show up at these signature events now, potentially not in anything else. There are no cut events. There's a cap on them. Like, hopefully there are some there are some good finishes, but like I just think that I I totally disagree with the no cut um, element. Like, even if there is only fucking fifty people, like make them work for the check. Don't just hand them a check at the end of the week because they got in because they're a certain number in the world. Like, if that isn't the definition of, I guess, uh, just well definition but it's just totally unfair so if you're a certain number in the world you're basically getting handed money towards your pga tour card this year and if you're one off that and struggling for your cards good luck in the run the mill events where there's an absolutely massive field in a in a code event for far less money it's yeah i don't know i'm i like the idea of a signature event and uh i guess it's the best way to guarantee that all the best players show up and no one gives a shit about the money really like it could be a hundred million it could be 10 million don't really don't really care how much it's for you just want all the best players to be playing their best um and enjoying every moment of it but yeah it is it seems to be diluting the non-signature events even more which is a again terrifying if you're sitting in the pga tour thinking what the fuck are we doing how we how are we gonna how are we gonna keep sponsors on like why would farmers insurance sponsor this again next year like we had the lowest figures in five years like that's kind of that's that's the predicament they're in yeah it sponsors its players like um a couple of examples young lad came out of college this guy um is it caleb Caleb Surratt, young gun from college jo- joining Live, so he's making the choice to to go play Live. That's the Ram then, team. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you've got the, the bigger news is Anthony Kim. So to your point about the no cuts and all that on the PGA Tour, I mean, Anthony Kim, who was an electric player when he came out kind of 2006, 2007 for a few years, was he, he was like a year or two before Rory, um remember he played two, yeah he played he played Ryder Cup 2008 and Rory didn't play Ryder Cup till 2010 so he had a kind of two or three year head start on Rory and he was it's possible that the myth of him is greater than the, the man himself because he was brilliant and he was very exciting but it's not like he did absolutely loads but he's making a return now and now because of the background on the Anthony Kim situation is that he stopped playing in 2012 and the story goes that he had an insurance payout based on an injury and if he picked up a golf club again professionally that uh the 10 million that he was allegedly getting um because of this insurance claim if he played golf again he wasn't going to get that payment so if he's now going to give up that payment and forfeit his insurance thing to go back and play golf i mean he can't do it on the pga tour he has to go to live because live will just cover the expenses of that insurance claim and we'll give him a contract whereas like if you're how much is your insurance 10 million yeah just add a zero it's fine yeah exactly and and he'll have his money going forward like so i don't know yeah yeah no like for someone like him um like i i i really used to love him like uh, he was like a nice patrick reed 
like he was Captain America, but he wasn't a complete prick. And like that, I'll never forget that round in Augusta. I can't remember what year was it, 09 or 11. Um, the 11 birdies in one round. Like that was just that 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 is going to be on his grave. So I'm like 11 birdies in one round at Augusta. And the issue I have with him coming back is I'd be delighted if he did get a big payout or if he like personally, like, cause if he is, if he has given up golf because of an insurance fucking thing, that's not great. As in you don't back yourself or you're injured to a point where you don't think you can win that amount on tour with his talent. But just imagine they did dangle a hundred million in front of him. And I, I would watch Anthony Kim play golf. That is one thing that if Liv did, I would 100% watch his first round back. And if he, can, if he goes out and shoots 80, like I'd actually feel sorry for him and never watch him play again. So like it's potentially dangling a lot of money in front of someone just for the short spike in viewers. And please, like if he does come back, I really, really hope he plays really good golf because if he plays golf, it would just be such a sad story of him essentially taking a massive bag of cash because he needs it and that he's not the same golfer that he used to be. And then Liv will just dump him on the side as soon as they can and take as much out of the contract as they're, as they're able to. But yeah, hopefully it ends up working out for him because he is an unbelievable talent. Well, like you, I'd be mad keen to watch him play golf. Like, I, I'd actually be more keen to watch a live event if he was playing than, say, the ja John Ram thing. Just oh, I couldn't even fuck about Ram anymore now. I don't know about you, but like that does not make me want to watch live, not even in the slightest. But Anthony Kim would. Yeah, Anthony Kim definitely would. But but as you say, it'd probably be a short spike. Um, but okay, so the big lads are back in town today. Um in pebble so pebble in previous years and the the whole uh pro-am so they play spy glass hill and they play i think monterey country club as well um in previous years that hasn't been a massive event that has had a pretty weak field which is a pity because it's a great golf course um but it's in these uh this this signature events or elevated events or whatever we'll call them so we're talking scotty scheffler rory hovland shoffley your boy Max Home, McCantley, Speed, JT, big field. Um, what are you what are you thinking going into it now? Who who, who are you fancying? Yeah, the old um Max California is is um is very tempting. Uh but no, it, like it's uh, as you said, we're back, like proper golf. Um I think McElroy now it's his first time on the PJ tour since August. And he finished off with 10 top 10s in a row, which was the best streak in the best end to a season, maybe, uh, since 81 when Tom Kite did the exact same thing. So, like, McElroy back is of obvious interest, but sure, he's 15 to 2. Um, it's very hard to, it's very hard to back him at that, um, even if he is nearly guaranteed a, uh a top 10 finish um but i'd be putting him in like if you were doing top 10s top 20 accumulators i'd like you have to put him in there because he's nearly guaranteed to do it um homa played really well last week do like his chances um 
just on on this, not even about this week, but I don't know if you saw Tony Fino put last week. I won't be backing him until he gets a broom or gets an arm lock putter. Uh, he missed. What was it? He, he was twelve and a half percent on his strokes on his putts made from four to eight feet, like making one in every just about nine or ten from four to eight feet. He was horrific at the putting. Like it was, it was really, really bad. And they zoomed in on one of them, uh, like just the way his face lies. Like it's as if the lower his hands get and the higher the toe of the putter gets, like the heel basically tippy-toeing on the ground, the worse his putting gets. Um, it was very hard to watch. Um, but yeah, Tony Fina. And sorry, on the opposite side to that, looks like Will Zalatoris has fixed it. You had a dodgy old start, but he finished the week twelfth in strokes gain putting. So, oh, he, did he? Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's absolutely back. Um, just really, uh, yeah, gained gained just over two strokes um, on the green. So that's fucking brilliant here, because if that fucker learns how to putt, he could be dangerous. Um, but sorry, back to uh, <laughs> back to um, Pebble uh, Beach. So. I think I went for him a few weeks ago, and I'm going to stick with him again in Denny McCarthy at 66. Oh, yeah. So he has the most birdies and eagles at Pebble Beach and, Sky and Spyglass since 2017. And he's also the best putter here in the last five years. So he's obviously doing well off the tee. He's obviously doing well on the green. Like Max Home is also kind of in the top five of those two stats. And so is randomly up Tom Hoagie, but Danny McCarthy leads both of those um, sides. And I think it's 66 to one. I backed him a few weeks ago and I, he is, he is playing decent golf, but he just seems to to love it around Pebble and Spyglass. So Danny McCarthy at 66 to one each way. Yeah. He was fourth last year, wasn't he? And he is just a class putter. Uh, yeah. It's kind of average putter. Well, his week depends on how he puts and he seems to like these pawn greens. So yeah. He's um he's a tricky one because like the, the previous year's forms were based on slightly weaker fields and it's a really strong field this week. Well it's I'm always gonna... a, it's always cool to back speed here and just ride the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um I I have a few lads going toying around my mind, none of real outsiders though. I've got I like the look of Aberg, top ten last week. Um and it's just a big jump for him to do it in a signature event. So I don't know if I quite do it. Um, I, I'm would love if he could, though. Sorry, say it again. Would absolutely love if he could. If he could I would love if he could as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm gonna go play it, play it safe after my big bold prediction last week. I'm, I'm gonna go Xander. He's, um, he's just playing very, very well. He um like what is he fourth in the world now? Um is he up to fourth? Yeah, wow. Yeah, let me just double check. Sorry, he's fifth in the world behind um behind Hovland. Um and like three top tens in a row so far this season, like tenth at, at the century, third at the Amex, and then ninth last week. He just sneakily is always there. Yeah, um, he's actually he's fourth in the uh, the data golf world rankings. 
which is yeah, usually okay. a bit more accurate. So yeah, no, he is. He's 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 an unbelievable player. He's playing. He's so steady. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's I'm going pretty simple with uh, Xander. Uh, what am I getting them at here? Fourteen to one. I mean, it's not great odds, but um, sport yeah. best golfer in the world he has to be decent odds, you know. Exactly, exactly. He does. Um, and then final word: Are you going to watch any of Live Golf this weekend? No. Like I told, like. I genuinely don't know who would watch it. Like if it was on in the pub, streaming on YouTube on the TV, and there was nothing else on, I might like watch a few holes. But like, it's just it's yeah, it's just not interesting. Um, and like as you said earlier, they've they've if you put a head to head between Live and the PGA now in terms of players, it's probably actually a very good match like for viewership anyway but um yeah like a live event and the fucking at&t pebble beach like unless you're delusional you're not putting a live event as a higher priority than the pebble beach program so or you're just don't really give a shit about golf and are a trump supporter and love america and for some reason think live is the the best thing in the world so yeah um no i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy pebble uh this week it's always always class to to watch on tv and just yeah it's i'm actually delighted this is one of the signature events because it's just a course we've been playing on since tiger woods 98 well so, it should be yeah it should absolutely yeah. absolutely have its place that was one of the original games. It was it was Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and Cypress Point, was it? On the original game? Yeah. With <laughs> I don't know if it was Spyglass and Pebble were, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, what a game. Quality. Right, well, I'm going to... Well, I'm definitely going to watch mostly Pebble, but I will flick over and just have a little look and see what's happening in Mayakoba and see what John Ram and the boys are up to. I know, like as in flicking over is fine, but it's just like as if Pebble isn't your main view in this week, I just don't know, can't help you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Right on that note, we will leave it uh, for this week. So thank you, Cooper, uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, it's another week of Unplayable. We will chat to you next week. Mm-hmm.